I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I am hopeful. I'm waiting on you, Lord, though it is painful. But patiently I will wait. I will move ahead, bold and confident. I'll be taking every step in obedience while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. I will not fail. I'll keep running. I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I am peaceful. I'm waiting on you, Lord, though it's not easy. No, but patiently I will wait. Yes, I will wait. I will move ahead, bold and confident. I'll be taking every step in obedience while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm waiting. I will not fail. Keep running the race, even while I wait. Yeah, yeah. I will move ahead, bold and confident. I'll be taking every step in obedience. Yes, Lord. serve him that way. Praise the Lord. Y'all give John another round of applause. He did an awesome job on that song. And wow, it's Tuesday night and we've got people everywhere. Amen. So y'all are in agreement with Pastor Gene, Mark, and I, Pastor Mark and I. That revival is needed amen and this proves it because even though we all have our own demons that we fight with every day and we were talking on the way to church tonight that we give the devil way too much credit because we talk about him too much God is on the throne and he is taking care of everything everything before amen. we even know it but we've got to trust him and revival helps us and reminds us and refreshes us and rejuvenates us to keep moving forward amen I want you to stand to your feet and help me with this song. Most of you know it. If you don't, 
Just pretend you know it. Just praise God. You don't have to know the words. Just close your eyes and worship. Amen? Amen. Give Sister Mary a big round of applause. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated one second. I just wanted to say what was on my heart while she was singing. 
I was thinking about all the people who drove by our church and uh, judged us for being a cowboy church. There's a lot of them out there that judge us for being a cowboy church. We've been called everything under the sun, a cult. We've been called all kinds of things. But when you get in here and you feel God's presence and his power, it ain't about a hat and church. It ain't about clothes and a suit and tie. None of that matters to God. What matters to God is our hearts. And if your heart, if your heart is far away from God, Revival brings that heart back to his presence. Right, Gene? Amen. You agree to that? And he, and he wants to have that fellowship with us. And when Gene was talking last night about ways that we can lose our fellowship with the Lord, it started to break my heart because there were some of those things that were on my heart, and I, and I was losing that power and that fellowship. And, and I made my way to the altar, and I was praying up here for me. And I was praying for me and asking God to help me. And so when people judge us and say things, they just don't know. Someone on TV the other day said something about being a Jesus freak. Well, I'm okay, whatever you call me. <laughs> I had a lady in church tell me one time, she told me, she said, uh, she wrote me an email. She said, Pastor Mark, I, the church service was great, the music was awesome, but I'm never coming back to your church because... Your men wear hats in church, and my granddaddy would roll over dead in his in his grave. And I said, "Well, if he was a Christian, he wouldn't be in the ground, huh?" I'm just saying. I was just thinking that's what was coming out of my mind. And uh, <laughs> amen. And uh, but I, I I usually don't respond to criticism, but I did that time. I said, "Well, ma'am, Jesus was here. He was in a robe and some sandals, but you missed him because you were too busy judging your neighbor." This community needs Jesus. And they need us on fire. God needs us on fire tonight. Somebody join me and let's light that fire tonight. Let's light this place up and let's let him have our way with us. Amen. Our men are going to come tonight and, and, and take up an offering. This offering tonight will go directly to Pastor Gene. So if he's been a blessing to your life, let's, let's bless his life back and his ministry tonight. Everything he sells on that table goes to missions. And he makes a good deal if you want some of that stuff. He's about sold out, so you better get it tonight. But tonight just goes to cover his cost and his mission, his ministry tonight. And uh, I want to be doing it when I'm 88. Come on, somebody. Amen. He told me the other day, he said, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I could tell you something. He, well, he did say he didn't know about me, but he, he, I, I, was, I was in there in the house with him. And he was asleep. And I was like, Lord, I just see such peace in his life and on him. And I said, Lord, if I go, I want to go in that peace. And he told me, he said, if I go, I want to go behind the pulpit. Is that what you said, Dr. Yeah. Gene? If you go, you want to go behind the pulpit. Yeah, but you don't want me to. No, 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 not tonight. <laughs> please don't do it tonight. So, so please don't do it tonight. Uh, Amen. So, so, but what I was really wanting to say, what I really meant to say was, he's serving. You can serve no matter how old you are. Amen. So let's be a blessing to his ministry tonight. Mary, pray over the offering tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we come to you tonight, Lord, and we just thank you so much for allowing us to be here in your house, Father. Father, we just ask that you just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to what you want, Father, what you want for our lives, Father, and let us be receptive to the word. I know Pastor Gene is preaching straight from your word, Father. Let us just be receptive and receive it and live it, Father. Lord, we just want to proclaim your name, Father God. We don't want to just hold the truth, Lord. We want to proclaim it. Amen. And, Lord, I just thank you so much. Thank you for just honoring and blessing my family with Pastor Gene in our home, Lord. I just thank you so much for crossing our paths, Lord. It has been a true, true blessing to me and my boys and, and Mark. Lord, I just ask that you just bless this offering tonight, Lord. And, Father, we just ask that you just multiply it ten times over, Father. You always provide enough, more than enough, Father. Not just enough, but more than enough, Father. Lord, it's not our money anyway. You gave it to us, Lord, and let us be obedient in our giving, Father. Bless the giver and the non-giver alike, Lord, and bless the services. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>
ask you for a miracle you know i stand in need i could seek your hand to move and touch my family but i push aside these temporary trials that i face lord i just want to bless you with my praise lord i've come to bless your holy name again just once more before i say amen you're my jesus my redeemer my savior and my friend lord i've come to bless your holy name again i can never count how many ways you've made my life Lord, your mercy is the reason why my spirit sings. Though my words could never fully tell the story of your grace, I just love to rest in your applaud just because I got up. <laughs> no, I know you were, you were just saying praise God for the message she brought. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, I want to tell you that the message I'm preaching tonight, I, I really had to pray a long time before the Lord taught me into bringing it. It's God's will for me to bring it, but uh, I'll tell you what, it's not one that I enjoy as much as others. And, and so therefore, I'm going to preach about the subject of hell. You say, well, Brother Williams, don't do that. Well, the fact is, you see, uh, the Bible says more about hell than it says about heaven. Jesus said more about hell than it said about heaven. So if I want to preach like Jesus, if I want to preach the Bible, from time to time, I've got to preach on hell. It isn't because I'm glad people are going there. I'm sad that people are going there. I'm doing everything I can to tell folks how not to go there, but the fact is, there is a hell and there are people that are going there, and maybe you'll go there if you don't understand exactly what you've got to do to be saved. One time a lady came up to me in Louisiana, she said, with a uh, kind of a sneer on her face, she said, Preacher uh, Williams, I, I, per, I perceive that you're a hellfire and dead meat. Preacher. I said, thank you very much. 
I said, Jesus said more about hell than he said about heaven, so I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at the beginning there in Luke, the 16th chapter, and we're going to look at the beginning with the 19th verse. Now, Jesus is giving a story. Luke, the, the 16th chapter and the 19th verse. Jesus is giving a story. This is not a parable. This is about two men that really existed. He didn't say that he spoke the parable unto them or that the kingdom is likened to or something like that, as he did many times when he gave the parable, but rather he used the name of a man, which he never did when he gave a parable. So let's look at this because these were two real men. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and designed to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. You know, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to that time if I go before the rapture of the church. I tell you, I'm looking forward to that time when the angels will come get me and take me to Jesus. Amen. But it says right here, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich, the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf thick, so that they which would come pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. That he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They are Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, I used to wonder when I was a little boy, how could they, they hear Moses and the prophets? They were dead. Actually, he's talking about the Old Testament. When he says Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible. And the prophets, that includes all the rest of it. So we're saying, if you won't listen to the Bible... Uh, then that he's not going to hear it all. In that 30th verse, it says that he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went un unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they don't believe the Bible, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And Jesus Christ did arise from the dead, and still there are those that don't believe. Keep your finger right here. Don't lose it because we're going to come back to it and turn to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And let's look at the 20th chapter of Revelation. And I, I'm, I'm going to begin to read there, beginning with the 10th verse of the 20th chapter of Revelation. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, the beast will be a man, the Antichrist, the false prophet a man, they will have been put into this place of torment 1,000 years before this happens. They'll still be there. The idea that a person burns up in hell is not true. They're still there after 1,000 years, and it says they'll be tormented forever and ever. In the 11th verse, And I saw a great white throne, and him that stood in it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. This judgment is going to be in the space. It will not be in heaven. That's where uh, actually the judgment of our works, believers' works will be. It will not be upon the earth. That's the judgment of the Gentiles. But it will be in space. And, and, and the face, uh, everything will flee from the face of the one on that throne. And, and, and they found no place for them. In the 12th verse, that I saw the dead. Never mentions the living, only the dead. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things 
which were written in the books according to their works. Now, preacher, if I were judged according to my works, I'd go to hell. If you were judged according to your works, you'd go to hell. Anybody here that's judged according to what you do, you'll go to hell. All of these will go to hell, every one of them. And I saw, and they gave up the dead in them, and they would judge every man. Now, notice that 13th verse. And as he gave up the dead which were in, in it, and death and hell, that word is the word Hades, and that's the present place where people are right now who die without Jesus. And death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they would judge every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Everyone in the present place called Hades will be emptied into a place called Gehenna, which is hell or hellfire in the Bible. In the 15th verse, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, dear friends, the Bible says so much about hell that I surely will not be able to have the time to give you everything the Bible says about hell. I want you to understand that... Uh, uh, if we had a conference on hell, wouldn't that be terrible? A conference on hell. We had a conference, a Bible conference on hell, and we had three men in the morning and three men in the afternoon and three men at night preach on hell. They still could not cover it in a week's time because there's so much the Bible says about hell. So I'm going to talk about one particular aspect of hell, and that is the kind of torment that lost people will experience when they go to hell. And I'm going to end up showing you how not to go to hell. First of all, I want you to notice the kind of uh, torment that will be there. And let's, uh, let's look first, if you don't mind, at uh, the 24th verse of that, uh, of that 16th chapter of Luke. Turn back there, if you will, to the 16th chapter of Luke. And we'll begin reading there again. There in that 24th verse, and he cried and, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. Now that man felt that he had a tongue. And he had torment. You say, well, don't you know a man that dies? You know his tongue's in his mouth, not in hell. I could show you the man that died last week. He's there in the funeral home. His tongue's in his mouth, not in hell. I could tell you the man that died uh, a month ago and dig him up from the grave, you know, and look at his mouth. There's his tongue, not in hell. You see, the fact is, uh, you, you don't understand the fact is, People have a connection between the body and the feeling. You see, the thing is, there's something about the person that continues to feel after he dies. This fellow died, he went to hell, he felt he had a tongue in hell, and yet at the same time, his body was in the grave. You say, by the way, well, you don't, well, there's an inseparable connection between the mind and the body. And the fellow that goes to hell will continue to feel that he has a tongue in hell. And he'll have torment in hell. To give you an illustration, let me ask you a question. Anybody here that you've had a, your arm cut off, your leg cut off, or even maybe some fingers cut off, raise your hand right now. Anybody like that? Uh, maybe you'll have to raise the, your other hand, okay? But the fact <laughs> is, the, the, the fact is, uh, people feel their, uh, what's been cut off. I never shall forget I was in Houston, Texas, and, uh, and I was down on John Ralston Road. Some of you know where that is, and I was in a, a, a cafe, a little cafe, and this, the fellow that ran the cafe had a peg leg, and I got to know him pretty well, and I said, John, his name was John, I said, John, do you ever feel your leg? He said, I sure do. I said, John, how long ago was that leg cut off? He said, 40 years ago. I said, well, you don't feel that leg. That leg's already decayed. That leg's already gone back to the dust. You wouldn't feel that leg if you wanted to. Well, he said, I don't know what you're talking about, preacher, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. The bottom of my foot itches right now. I wish I could find it to scratch it. <laughs> he felt, he felt his leg. I, I also never shall forget why one time I was going from Hong Kong around to preach a crusade in Iceland. And a fellow got on that plane with me in Hong Kong, found out that he was a Christian, found out that he was a... Uh, an Australian, found out that he was a Presbyterian, found out also that he was a teacher of uh, neurosurgery in one of the medical schools there in, uh, 
in Australia. And as we got to talking, I realized he really was a born-again believer. And uh, we talked about everything all the way from Hong Kong to where he got off in Switzerland. And then I went on uh, to Iceland. But the fact is, I, I began talking to him. I said, listen, uh, you're probably one of the foremost authorities on phantom pains, aren't you? He said, well, I've written a, an article on it, and I've written a book on it. I'm going right now to talk to some fellows about phantom pains and what to do about phantom pains. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, okay. I said, if a man dies, does it still feel that he has a body? He said, yes. I said, does he, uh, no matter what, he said, yes. I, he, I said, suppose he dies when he's a child. He said, well, he feels it less if he was a child when he lost the arm than if, when he's older. But the fact is he still will feel that he has that leg or that arm or that hand has been cut off. I said, suppose the man lost his entire body. Would he still feel it? He said, well, I know what you're talking about, preacher. You're talking about if a man dies, will he still feel that he has a body? I said, yes. I know what the Bible says. I just want to know if you science are catching up with the Bible yet. <laughs> he said, well, I'll tell you what. Since I'm a Christian, I do believe in life after death. And I do believe if you die, uh, and a man is lost and dies, he, and his body is put in the grave, he still feels that he has a body in hell. But he says, I'll tell you this much as a scientist. If you put a man's body in the kitchen and his mind in the living room, he'll feel his body in the living room where his mind is. You know what the word for soul is in the Bible? It's the word suke. To transliterate it letter by letter, it would be P-S-U-C-H-E, suke, from which we get the word psyche, like the word psychology and the word psychoanalysis and the word psychiatrist and all that. No, dear friend, the person that dies, his body is in the grave, but in hell, he still feels that he has a body. And there's torment there. This fella was tormented because his tongue, he wanted something to drink. He begged for Abraham to send uh, Lazarus that had been dipped the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue for he was tormented in this flame. You say, what does all this mean for me? Well, I'll tell you what, if you say, well, listen, I deserve a little, you know, a little Miller Lite when I get home. I work hard. And after a while, it's not just a little Miller Lite. It begins a whole six-pack. And after a while, it begins to be a little whiskey. And after a while, it begins to be a whole fifth. And after a while, you can't live without it. And after a while, you lose your job, you lose your family. And you're on Skid Row, and I preached two revival meetings on Skid Row where all, all we did was go into these places and preach for a week. And I tell you, this guy out there on Skid Row, please pick him up and say, well, what kind of work do you do? He said, well, I used to be a banker. I used to be this, I used to be that. But now I'm just a drunkard. And he dies with a big fix. And there he is, in hell, wanting another drink but never been able to get it in hell. You can get it in Texas, but you can't get it in hell. How about the girl that says, man, I gotta have a big fix. I'll tell you what, I used to have a home for heroin addicts right here in Houston, right in the Houston area. And I never shall forget the times that I've met people that had heroin addicts and they, the addiction, and they, they were looking for something uh, strong like that and they started off, though, you say they started off with marijuana. No, they started off with camels. And after a while, it was marijuana. And after a while, it was a little heroin. And after a while, they pricked their skin, put it under. And after a while, it was about main line. And after a while, she dies with the big fix. And her mama comes by the casket and says, my baby, my baby, my baby, at least you don't want another fix. Don't you believe it? In hell, she wants another fix, but she can't get it there. There's nothing that says you'll be delivered from those things in hell. How about the guy that said, man, I'm not like that. I'm not a heroin addict. I'm not a cook addict. I, I, I'm not a drunkard. I'm not an alcoholic. I, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I don't drink. I don't, uh, I, 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 I'm good for my family. I, I'm a, uh, just as 
wonderful as I can be to my wife. I'm faithful to her, and I, I'm a good man. I'm honest. I don't cheat anybody. I, I try my very best to be a pretty good person. But, friend, if you've sinned, you've sinned, and you deserve hell. And I don't care how good you may be in hell, there will be folks that are fine, upstanding citizens in your view, and you might be one of them, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth it shall die. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That includes me. If I got what I deserved, I'd go to hell, and so would you. But listen, there's a, there's a, a terrible type of uh, torment there, and that is a, a physical torment. We've been reading about that because this man felt that he had a tongue and he had torment in hell. But there's another kind of torment, and that is a mental torment. Look, if you will, at that 25th verse right there. It says, but Abraham said, son, remember. That's a key word, that word there, remember. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. He remembered his life. Notice also, and beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. The fact is, he remembered his brothers. And when a person goes to hell, he is not, uh, his memory is not eliminated. He does not forget these things. This fellow remembered his life. And I want you to understand, when you go to hell, you will remember. You'll remember the times that you should have done certain things. You should have responded to God. You should have received Jesus as Savior, but you put it off, and you put it off the second time, and you got to where it was very easy to put off, and you just continued to put it off and put it off. Someday I intend to. I don't intend to go to hell. Someday I'll be saved. I don't intend to be lost. I, 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 someday, but you never did it. And also, you'll remember an old-fashioned, gray-headed, 88-year-old crippled preacher that told you that there was a hell and told you that if you don't trust Jesus as Savior, you will go to hell. It doesn't matter how good you might try to be. And friend, you'll remember that the Holy Spirit spoke to you on a night like this and you almost received Jesus. You almost came to him. But you put it off one more time and the devil will have been the victor in your life because he got you to go exactly where he's going to be. And friend, that is a place called hell. Yes, you'll have memory. And also, he remembered his five brothers. And part of hell, I believe, will be that people in hell will remember that because they refused to accept Jesus as Savior, that their loved ones followed them. I have seen men stand in an aisle, almost ready to receive Jesus. And I've seen their children, maybe one 13, maybe one 17, maybe one 8, standing there looking at Daddy. And if Daddy had been saved, those children would have been saved too. But because Daddy said no to God, no one lives unto himself, no one dies unto himself. If you go to heaven, you're going to influence people to go there. If you go to hell, you're going to influence your loved ones, your family, to go there. He remembered these five brothers. They were coming to that place, and then he could not do anything about it. He could not be raised from the dead. Uh, he, Lazarus could not be raised from the dead. He go tell him. They needed to know that the Bible says how to be saved, and there is a hell, friend. People know there's a hell. You'll realize there is a hell at that time, and because uh, the fact that you'll have memory in hell, you'll remember that because you refuse to accept Jesus, that your loved ones and those that are close to you will follow you to the place called hell. But there's another kind of torment, something worse than all the others put together. Notice, if you will, uh, in that same uh, 16th chapter, look, 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 if you will, at the 26th verse. And beside all this, he says, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. Now, that's the theme of the story, fixed. Everything is fixed when you die. In, re in, in relation to uh, even Lazarus, 
when uh, he died and the angels came to get him and took him to the bosom of Abraham. I'll tell you what, that was fixed. Yeah, his life was over. And when you die, dear friend, it is fixed. And when you get to hell, everything is going to be fixed. There's no way that in the world that you can get from hell to heaven after you die. I'll, I'll read it again there, that 26th verse. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they will pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. In other words, separated from God. Everlastingly separated from God. There'll be no good in hell because every good gift comes from God. There's nothing good that does not come from God. And therefore, there's no good in hell, no love in hell because God is love. There'll be no love there but hate and envy and jealousy and everything that's sinful in hell. And fixed will be your character. Fixed will be your personality. Fixed will be your destiny. Everything will be fixed. And that great gulf fixed which separates you from God. And therefore you will be, listen carefully, a miserable failure. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how popular you may be. You'll be a failure if you die without Christ. Because the reason you're alive is to give you time to decide whether you want Christ or not. Now, if you take Christ in him is life, there is where life is. There is where abundance is. That's where the beauty of all of it is that he gives tremendous, wonderful, beautiful life and fellowship with him is the very end of all of it. But when you go to hell, everything is fixed in your, and the gulf that's fixed between you and God will everlastingly be there. And you will never, ever know what it means to have fellowship with God. And you will be a miserable failure because you will not have accomplished what you were created to accomplish. But God does love you. And I tell you, I do too. You say, how do I know God loves me? Because, friend, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And Jesus knew he was going to die. Oh, he came to do wonderful things, but that wasn't the purpose for which he came. He came and he did perform miracles. He walked on the water. He, he, he stopped all those waves there when there was a storm. He, he fed the 5,000. He he healed those that were sick and those that were paralyzed. He healed all those things he did. And he taught wonderful things and he taught all the wonderful, beautiful things and the Beatitudes and all that. But that's not the reason he came. He came to die. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And therefore, he came to seek and to save you. And the only way he could do that was for someone to take your sin upon them and pay for your sin. No one else could do it. No human being could do it because all the rest of us are sinners too. And so therefore we need to die for our own sin. How could we die for yours? It could not be an angel because an angel cannot bleed, cannot cry, cannot experience what a human being can experience. So an angel could not die on the cross like Jesus did. But he was God who became man because he was virgin born. He lived a perfect life. Never did he sin. And so therefore he was a fit subject to die on the cross for you and for me. He set his eyes toward Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen. They took him. They bound him. They judged him falsely. And they beat him. And they took that cat with nine claws, that, that Roman scourge, and they hit him. Now listen, friend. That was a, uh, the, that, that, the handle about that long. The rest of it about that long. And from one to nine whips, with three, from one to three pieces of fish bone or some other kind of bone or metal on the end of each one came down on the back of the Lord Jesus Christ when that man who was the jailer came down on the back of Jesus with that 
terrible, terrible whip, that scourge. And he did it again and again and again until 39 times, 40 minus 1. He came down on the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, scholars will tell you that you could not put your finger on the back of Jesus Christ after that and that finger not slip into a deep gash. He did it for you. They hit him with their fists. These were not little effeminate sissies. These were men that used their strength to kill the enemy in open combat on the battlefield. And I can see that Roman bicep and that Roman ring as it flashes through the air and crashes upon the cheek of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can see the cut over his eye and the blood begin to roll into his eye. And I can see as they hit him and hit him and hit him, the other eye begin to swell closed. And I can see the blood coming from his mouth because of the a bit tongue and the loose teeth. And I can see the blood stream down either side of his chin and splat on the pavement below. He could have said, be dead. And they would have been dead. But he didn't open his mouth. As a sheep before a share is dumb, Jesus didn't even open his mouth. They took whips and they hit him. Listen, they took breeds. All of them had them. They used them to quell the agramas of Jerusalem. They were pieces of bamboo about the size of a little, little league baseball bat. And they all had them so that they would have to pull out their sword and take a chance of hurting themselves as some innocent bystander as they quelled the agramas of Jerusalem. They took those and they hit him on the head and they hit him on the back and they hit him and hit him and hit him because they hated him. And then they cried, crucify him. They laid the cross upon him. And they took him to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull in the Aramaic language. The word Calvary is a Latin word that means place of the skull. And they took their fists and they kept on slapping him. And then they picked, uh, picked that cross up from the earth after they had nailed him there. And I can see that Roman soldier as he takes that spike-like nail and drives it through his hand. And he's saying, I love you. I love you. He's saying to you, that's the reason I'm dying, to save you from that place called hell, to save you from your sin. I love you. And I can see that Roman soldier takes that other spike-like nail and drives it through that hand and the blood spurts forth and gets all over the hands of the man that nails him. They take that his feet and put one upon the other and another nail through his feet without breaking a bone, another nail. And they pick that cross up from the earth with Jesus on it, put the base of the cross in the hole prepared for it and they drop it. It comes down with a thud and the leaders were strained and the flesh was torn and the blood began to gush out more freely and he was saying by this act, I love you. I don't want you to die and go to hell. I'm willing to die in your place. Take your place. You see, what they hated about the cross was not just the blood. That was bad. But when they were nailed to the cross, they could not breathe out. So therefore, they could not breathe in. And so since they could not breathe out, excuse me, it's the opposite. They could not breathe in, so they could not breathe out. And because they could not breathe in, most of them would die because they didn't, were not able to breathe. Look at it. Disjointed. Well, people came disjointed. Not one bone was broken, but they came disjointed. I can look at it. And you know what the Bible says about the suffering servant? If you could read the Hebrew, you'd find that in the latter part of the 52nd chapter, of Isaiah talks about the suffering servant and how he was so emaciated, so marred, so scarred would he be that he wouldn't even look like the child of a human being but a hideous monstrosity, disjointed, bloody, swollen. Oh, listen, all of my sins were laid on him. That's the worst thing. And all of your sins were laid on him. And Father, the God the Father, looked upon that creature on the cross. And as they sang a moment ago, he became sin for us. It didn't say he became a sinner for us. No, he never sinned. And he never became a sinner for us. And God has mercy for sinners, but he has no mercy for sin. 
and all of God's hatred and all of God's wrath for my sin and your sin because he loved you. He poured it out upon Jesus that day. And Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. Because he loved you. Amen. He loves you. And today, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He was delivered from death. And he's alive today. Able to come into your life and help. And I want you to know he loved you enough to die for you and take your place. And he's powerful enough to come into your life because he was raised from the dead. And he could come into your life and forgive you and save you. And he wanted me to tell you about the fact of hell and to tell you how much he loved you when he died on that cross in order that you might come to know Jesus as your Savior tonight. It's up to you. Everyone gets what he wants. If you want Jesus, in heaven, you take him now. If you don't take him now, you won't have him then. You got to take him now. In this life, it's up to you. It is not up to what uh, you can join the church. That won't do it. You can be baptized. That won't do it. We're not talking about joining the church and being baptized. We're talking about trusting Jesus who loved you and died for you and took your place and is able to forgive your sin and to save your soul from hell. If you'll trust him as your Savior tonight, it'll be done. It's up to you. It's up to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. How many of you here would like to go to hell? Lift your hand. You'd like to go to hell. Lift your hand. How many would say, Preacher, I'm thankful that I've already been saved and I'm not going to go to hell because I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I'm not worthy. I deserve hell, but praise God, Jesus saved me from sin and from hell. And if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. I'm not going to go to hell. Raise your hand high. Thank God that it's true. Hands out. How many others would say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I don't, I don't hate God, and I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved before I die. Lift your hand for prayer right now. Just put it up until I see it. I see you, young person. I see you. Are there others? I'm going to pray for you back there in just a minute. Are there others? Anybody else? I'm going to pray for him. So if you say, okay, if you're going to pray for him, please include me. I see another one down here. God bless you, sir. I'm going to pray for you. Just put down your hand as soon as you lift it. That's fine. Are there others? You say, if you're going to pray for these two, please include me. Please include me. I see another one. God bless you, young man. I'm going to pray for you. There's a lady. There's uh, two young people. Are there others? I'm going to pray for them. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to call their names. I'm not going to call your name. I don't know your name. I, I'm not going to come back there and grab you. I'm going to pray for you right here. But I want to ask the Lord to help you to be saved before you die. Because I don't want you to go to hell. The Lord doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to be with him forever in eternity in heaven. Before I pray, are there others? You said, please, all right, I, I don't want to go to hell either. I, I want to be saved before I die. I want to be saved. I don't hate God. I want to be saved. Lift your hand. If you have not lifted it already, lift it up. God bless you. I want those three that lifted your hand that you'd like to be saved to look up at me right now. Just look up because I want, to say, I want you to see my face while, while I speak, Okay. So if you lifted your hand, just keep looking. No one will know because it's easier to look up than it is to lift your hand. Now listen carefully. Do you believe that God loves you? Don't answer me out loud because I don't want you to be embarrassed. But you can nod your head and shake your head and no one will hear you. Do you believe God loves you? Even though you've sinned against him, do you believe he does? Praise God. Number two, do you believe if you ask Jesus to come into your life and forgive you and save you 
Do you believe he'd keep his promise and do it? He said he would. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you'll call on the name of the Lord, which means to ask him to be your Savior, then he'll save you. Do you believe he'd keep, keep his promise and do it? Do you want him to do it? Are you willing to ask him to do it? If you are, I'm going to pray for you. Now listen carefully. You're the one that's got to ask him. I'm not going to ask him to save you. I'm going to ask him to help you do it. I'm going to pray, and God's going to answer my prayer. He's going to help you do it. But still, it's going to be up to you to ask him to save you. And you said if you ask him, you know he would save you. He doesn't lie. So if you really want him to, like you said you did, I'm going to ask you to bow your head again right now and just talk to him, not out loud, but in your heart. Tell him you're a sinner. Tell him you know he died for you. Ask him to save you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help these right now just to come to thee and to say to thee, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know that you'll save me if I trust you. Right now, I trust you as my Savior. Come into my life. Save my soul. I know, dear friend, if you'll do that, if you'll ask him to do that, he'll keep his promise. So just talk to him. Tell him you're a sinner. He knows you are, but he wants you to admit it. Tell him that you can't save yourself. He knows that too, but he wants you to admit it. Thank him for dying on the cross for you. Ask him to come into your life and save you, not just help you or guide you, not help you save yourself, but ask him to come into your life and save you. Tell him you trust him to save you right now. Thank him for saving you right now. And I'm going to ask those that were looking at me a moment ago to look up again right now. Just look up again. And anyone else that prayed that prayer, you may look up too. Three things I want to check on. Number one, did you ask the Lord to save you? Did you do it? Did you do it? Praise God. Did you do it? Amen. Number three, two, how, do you believe he did? He said he would. Do you believe he did? He doesn't lie, does he? All right, listen carefully. Look, keep looking at me. Do you believe he did? You ask him to, do you believe he did? Praise God. Number three, are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of him? In other words, if you're not ashamed of him, would you mind if these other people here knew that you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Or would be, you be ashamed for them to know? You don't mind if they know? You don't mind? Do you mind if they know? Well, listen, those three things. If you ask him to save you and you believe he did it, and you're not ashamed for others to know, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now, right where you are. In the back, back here, and then in the front here. Praise God. Now, let me ask you, did you do you really mean it that you, you did ask him to save you? And do you believe he did? You believe he did? And you're not ashamed for these others to know? Amen. Amen. There's a little boy back there. Did you ask him to save you? Did he do it? Amen. You're not ashamed of him either. I, I want those three of you just to step out and come right now to the pastor and have prayer down here. Indicate him by coming. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Over here, you need to come. Just, just come also. If you did, if I didn't see, I'm, I'm a human being. God saw you. Amen. Praise God. How about you? How about others? Amen. Uh, let me let me just check and see in front of these people. Uh, this this fellow right here. Uh, did you ask the Lord to save you? You believe He did? How about you? Did what did He do for you? And did did, did He forgive your sin? Save you? Amen.
Did you ask him to save you too? Have you disobeyed God before? Yeah, uh-huh. But he's for What did you do? What did you ask him to do? What did he do? Amen. He did. Aren't those good testimonies? Preacher, we're going to turn this turn it to you. You go ahead and ask her. Get one of these and be sure that everybody gets one. Amen. Remember, if you did not fill out a decision card this week, make sure you get one tonight before you leave. Would y'all give Dr. Gene Williams a big round of applause? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. God is so good tonight. Amen. Dr. Gene, what an amazing night. Amen. For Tuesday night, you happy, cowboy? Amen. Are you with me still? Dr. Gene, are you excited? Amen. Amen. Took your took your words away, didn't it? Amen. Would someone help him down as he gets back to his table? Tonight, I really want him to go back to the table where his stuff is. And I want you guys to get to meet him tonight. Why don't you hug his neck before you leave? God bless these ones that are getting saved this week at this revival. You know, uh, Pastor, uh, if they can't get a book, that's okay. Just come back and shake my hand anyway. Uh, could you tell us about the numbers on the chairs? Because there are a lot of people that brought a lot of visitors Yeah, but tonight. what we told them, we would not recognize them. Oh, we did? Okay, so I messed it we, all up. No, no, you, you, okay, you, sorry. no, you're the pastor. We do what you say. Oops. <laughs> Can we recognize them? If you're a guest tonight, would you stand and let us give you a round of applause? If this is your first time here, would you stand and let us give you a round of applause tonight? Please stand and let us give you a round of applause tonight. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Amen. Help him down, Nolan. Scott, good to be in the house of the Lord. He gets around pretty good. Better than me. <laughs> Let me close with this. Look up here, everyone. This is what churches are supposed to be doing. This is why we do what we do for these that are coming and getting saved. I preached a message a few years ago called Your First Night in Hell. And it may have just been last year. I can't remember. If you've not heard that message that I preached, you need to go to our podcast or get Miss Debbie or Connie to find it and put it back up on the top shelf. Your First Night in Hell. Can you imagine what your first night in hell is going to be like if you're not saved? with all the murderers and the child molesters and the killers and the rapists. Ladies, I want to talk to the ladies for just a minute. Can you imagine your first night in hell with all the rapists and all the killers and all the murderers, the screams that are coming from just those ladies? Men, can you imagine, especially fathers and dads, your children's first night in hell because you didn't lead them to the Lord, because you didn't be the example? You didn't drive them to church. You didn't get up and make a sacrifice. That message was probably the most powerful message I've ever preached in my life was on your first night in hell. It's not God's will that anyone should perish, but that all shall get saved 
You heard Dr. Gene say that tonight, that everyone Jesus died for. I'm an everyone. You're an everyone. You have not sinned so bad that God won't forgive you. So make a decision tonight to pray and ask him to come into your heart. We thank you for being here tonight. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I just, James, would you come and you close us out with prayer, my brother? I want you to stop by Dr. Gene's table. Tomorrow night we finish revival. Come, amen. Tomorrow night our teenagers are going to be on the first few rows, right, Vicky? We're going to have food for the teenagers. Bring a friend. We have plenty of food tomorrow night for the teenagers. We start at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Dr. Gene's going to be speaking to the children and to the church, but he's excited that the youth are coming in tomorrow night. So let's make room for our children to be in the front tomorrow night. And uh, come if you can help serve. Would you, would you get behind what we're doing in our programs? If you can help, you can get here earlier and help wrap hot dogs and stuff. Uh, we got a few hot dogs left, just a few hot dogs left. So, so we're going to give those to teenagers tomorrow night, right, Vicky? So it's going to be a good time tomorrow night. Dr. Gene, I love you, brother. I thank you for being here. You are just amazing. Amen. It's a godsend. And what I meant to say earlier, if I got it all messed up, just having him in my house, in that chair, just brings peace. Mary said, we are on our best behavior, Connie. Maybe you should stay a while, Dr. Gene, amen. So, But I, I, I just want to say that we should all let God into our homes, amen. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this night. I want to thank you for this revival. I want to thank you for all of our guests that you brought with us tonight. And just to, just to get them back here, just to keep visiting us, and just, just find, find you, Lord, and just, just make it about you, Lord. Uh, thank you for uh, Dr. Gene for the messages that he brought, and we were just so so thankful that to hear you speak through him. Just uh, just keep us all safe as we go throughout the rest of our week, and just get us all back here tomorrow night, and just keep on worshiping you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.